you know, I'm surrounded by people who love Christmas. Rachel is already looking forward and surfing the internet. Hannah loves Christmas. My wife loves Christmas. And they come up to me and say to me things like, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? And I say, nothing. I say, what are you looking forward for Christmas? I say, nothing. I say, what do you want to eat for Christmas? Nothing. And I feel really miserable, like one of these really miserable type of people, you know, don't want nothing for Christmas. And then I have to stop and check myself. Because I realize that the whole purpose of this Christmas season is that God, now hear me in this, that God, who is outside of time, God who is from eternity, in fact, you would never begin to think about when he began because he was always there. And God who will always will be there. And, and, and this God steps into time. This God steps into A.D. and B.C. This God steps into a place, Bethlehem of Judea. This God then clothed himself with humanity. Now you need to understand me. This God who is omnipotent, all-powerful. This God who is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at one time. This God who is omniscient, which means he knows everything that is to be known and beyond that. This God, hear me, steps into time. And when I realize that, now I'm getting excited about Christmas. Then I need to get you prepared to be truly excited about Christmas. Because this God, who the Bible says is a consuming fire. This God, who the Bible says is invisible, immortal. This God becomes flesh. Oh my goodness. The God who's a burning fire. The God who the Israelites couldn't approach the mountain because of the smoke and the trembling and the loudness of noise. This God becomes a baby in a manger. Well, I'm excited now, so I'm ready to preach. And my first heading, then, looking at Joseph, my first heading I want to say... Um, is um, hearing from God. You know, this guy, Joseph, he doesn't get a lot of, lot of, lot of um, time in the Christmas story. You know, you hear about Mary and you hear about other people. But Joseph doesn't get a lot of time. And, um, but this Joseph was the husband of Mary. And even though we think he's unimportant, the, um, in the genealogy of, of, of Jesus, he appears in um, verse 16, here he is, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, 
the husband of Mary. That's what we got of him. And Mary was the mother of Jesus. So Joseph is there. Now it is this Joseph that I want to spend a little bit of time with this morning. You see, Joseph, we understand from God's word that he was a righteous man. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. The version that I have here is that he was a righteous man. Now, the, the Bible speaks about some righteous men in the Old Testament. We have Noah in the Old Testament, and Noah was also called a righteous man. Um, this is the account of Noah, and he found him. Now, Noah was a righteous man. Blameless among the people of his time. Noah was righteous, and the Bible says that Joseph was righteous as well. Now, a righteous man is someone who wants to walk with God. A righteous man is someone who loves God. A righteous man or woman is someone who wants to hear from God. And Joseph comes to Mary, and Mary turns around and says to him, um, husband of mine, I want to tell you something, I'm pregnant. Now they were pledged to be married, they weren't married yet, Joseph had no union with her, and then Joseph comes and hears that Mary is pregnant, and the Bible tells around and says that because he was a righteous man, he wanted to divorce her quietly, put her away quietly. Because he was a righteous man. But I want to say something about Joseph. A righteous man hears from God. Let me say that again. A righteous man hears from God. Let me hear you say, a righteous man hears from God. Exactly. So what happens? But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, a righteous man, he hears from God. And when a person becomes a Christian, when a person becomes born again, do you know what happens? When a person becomes a Christian, God takes Christ's righteousness and gives it to him. When a person becomes born again, God takes the righteousness of Christ and takes your filthiness and your sin and your wickedness and he takes it away and he puts the righteousness of Jesus Christ on you so you are called righteous. Amen. Now, if you're righteous now, you're going to hear from God. I want to hear from God. And what God says, I want to hear it. And this is what God says in the Old Testament. Look what God said. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sins have been paid for. I want to hear that from God. 
I want God to speak to me and say to me, Jerry, because you're righteous, I want to tell you that your sins have been paid for. I want God to speak to me this morning. And if you're born again and you're righteous because Christ's righteousness is upon you, then you will hear the word of God saying, brother, sister, son, daughter, I want to tell you this morning, your sins have been paid for. But not only that, I want God to speak tenderly to me. And I want him to say to me again, therefore, in Hosea, therefore, I am now going to allure her and speak tenderly to her. I will say to those called, not my people. You are my people. And they will say, you are my God. I want to speak tenderly to me. Sometimes, you know, I feel so broken. Sometimes I'm way down. And I want God to speak to me. I want God to say something to me and to speak tenderly to me. And God says in his word, I will speak tenderly to you. And I will call you to myself. And I will say to you who are not my people, I will say, you belong to me. I don't know about you, but a righteous man, a righteous woman, hears from God. And Joseph was that man. Joseph was a man who heard from God. And God told him, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Second thing I want to say about Joseph, a changed by God, or changed by God. So um, we have that verse that I just quoted to you here. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In Luke's Gospel, we have a fuller description of this because in Luke's Gospel, the angel is speaking to Mary and tells her in detail what's going on. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. What the angel was saying is that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God will overshadow you, Mary. Can I take you back? To Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis chapter 1, we read these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. The Spirit of God brought life when there wasn't any life. The Spirit of God created when there was nothing there to create. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow Mary. The same way the Holy Spirit 
was going to come and was going to create in Mary something that wasn't there originally, something that wasn't there humanly speaking. The Holy Spirit was going to come and overshadow her and by the power of the Spirit of God, life was going to be created. Not only a life, but the Son of God was going to be formed in her womb. Now this overshadowing of the Holy Spirit on Mary really only applies to Jesus Christ. Only applies to him. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and there in her body something took place that confused her and even might confuse you but didn't confuse God. And in Mary, Jesus was, was conceived. Only applies to the, to the, to the conception of Christ. But how can it apply to us? You know, I, when I was reading this, I was saying, Lord, I want some crumbs from that table. I want some truth to myself. It's a marvelous, marvelous thing that the Spirit of God overshadowed a woman and birth and, and gave and conceived Christ. I want some of that. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a dog owner. But I'm told that if you own a dog and the family's around the table and they're all eating their dinner, the dog is somewhere around. Maybe he's under the table ready to pick up any crumbs. Maybe he's next to his favorite person in the family because he knows that chicken or meat is going to be slide over to. But it's something coming from the table. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I want to be a dog this morning. I want to be under this table because something is coming from God this morning. You see, the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary is able to overshadow you this morning. That same Holy Spirit that came upon Mary and gave her a, a new direction and a new life and something wonderful. That same Holy Spirit can overshadow you this morning. I want to tell you that this morning. And in fact, Jesus turned around and he said the same thing. He says this, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. No church attendance is good enough. Some of you may think, oh, I can just come to church. When I come to church, you know, I feel a bit good and I leave church and I, and I feel a bit better than when I came in. Well, that's nice, but that's not being born again. Some of you may come here and say, you know, I love worship. I love it when James sings and, and I enjoy the music and, and, and I'm entertained by the preacher. He makes me smile when he preaches and I'm entertained by him. And I can go home saying, I was entertained on Sunday morning. That's not being born again. You need the Spirit of God to overshadow you. 
But not only that, but the Holy Spirit wants to do something else in you. The Holy Spirit wants to get rid of your bad temper. He wants to get rid of your bad attitude. He wants to get rid of your anger, your bitterness, your lying, your stealing, your wrong thinking. He wants to get rid of your use, your wrong use of your, your computer or your mobile phone. He wants to get rid of your sexual addiction. He wants to get rid of the wrong way you treat your wife or the wrong way you treat your husband. He wants to get rid of things in your life. That's why he wants to overshadow you. Because when he overshadows you, my dear friends, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not leave you the same way. When he overshadows you. And when he overshadows you, he will bring love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control, gentleness, long-suffering. When the Holy Spirit overshadows you, he wants to leave you more like Christ than you was before. I want to tell you, my friends, this morning, I want the Holy Spirit to overshadow me. Some of you may turn around and say to me, what's it like? I don't know. What's it like when the Holy Spirit overshadows me? What's it like being filled with the Holy Spirit? What's it like? I don't know. Jesus turns around and he says, I will, you know, I'll tell you the truth. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And some of you are saying, well, what is it like? I don't understand it. What's it like when the Holy Spirit comes upon me? Let me tell you three things, briefly. The first thing is this. You start feeling uncomfortable in your seat. I know that he's talking about me. Who told him about my sins? You begin to feel uncomfortable in your seat. Second thing is that you will begin to see just how important Jesus is. It's no longer about church. It's no longer about songs. It's no longer about preachers. It's about Jesus. And you begin to see how important Jesus is. That's when the Holy Spirit is beginning to stir inside of you. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to begin to trouble your mind and you begin to get uncomfortable and you begin to realize that Jesus is far more important than even yourself. And thirdly, you begin to want to speak to him. No longer this silly prayers like, Lord bless my food. Oh, no, no, no. You begin to say, I want to speak to him. I want to say something to him. I don't know what to say. My tongue gets tied up and I don't know what to say, but I want to say something to him. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon you. And I'm telling you, when that happens, God has drawn close to you. I want some crumbs from that table telling you, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. I know it only applies to Mary and the conception of Jesus. I know that. But I want some crumbs this morning. And I want the Holy Spirit to overshadow me. I want the Holy Spirit to overshadow this church. And so every single person is touched by the Spirit of God.
Let me just wrap this message up. My third and final point this morning. Saved by God. You know, naming a baby is very it's great. It's great fun. If Benjamin, my son, was born a girl, he was going to be called Amy. And if Joseph was born a girl, we already worked it all out. He was going to be called Bethany. They were happy to have born boys. I know James and Roxanne are now engaged in thinking about names for their child. It's wonderful. Thinking about the name of your child. But you know, Joseph, in our story, he had no choice. He may have thought to himself, oh, my first son, I'm going to name him after my dad, Jacob. Or he might say, I'm going to name my, 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 my son after me, Joseph. Or I might give him a, a name that no one's heard about. I might call him Sky or Star or Planet Neptune or something else. I don't know what he was thinking about, but, but he was thinking, I'm going to name my firstborn child by this name. But he had no choice in the matter. He had no option because the angel spoke to Joseph and said this, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You have to give him, Joseph, take note. Yes, Mary's going to have a child, but take note of this. Don't think, don't get involved. Don't think about a name because there's an eternal name he's going to have. I'm not going to name him Abraham because Abraham was a, a good name. He was a good man, but his name is going to be far more important than Abraham. I'm not going to name him Moses. Moses was a good man and done great things, but I'm not going to name him Moses. We have a name for this child that's an eternal name. And when you name this child, you have to name him Jesus. I'm not surprised that so many curses and swear words tend to flow around that name. I'm not surprised. We've all maybe been guilty at one time in our life by using that name in a wrong way. I'm not surprised. The devil hates that name. But the angel said, I don't want any other name. It's already been decided. You are to name him Jesus. Why? Well, our verse tells us why. He will save his people from their sins. I was watching the news this week and I was watching what was happening in Mosul over there in Iraq. And they had a video of three small children hiding in a room. Guns and bombs were flying around them. They weren't even flinching. They were just there in that room, used to the explosion around them. And Islamic State, IS, who were around that area and who run that area, were murdering and killing innocent people. Well, the Iraqi forces moved in and they saved those three children from certain death. 
And not only did it save these three children, but I saw lorry loads of refugees. They said tens of thousands of people were escaping from the Islamic State. Why? Because the Islamic State was murdering people. Listen, and hear me good. Sin kills. I'm not just talking about this life. Because you look out there and you see many people walking in sin and they're looking more alive than what you are. You see many people walking in sin and they seem to be doing more than what you're doing. And you think, how can sin kills? Look at them. They're living full lives. But I want to tell you, there's a death coming. An eternal death. Sin kills. But guess what? You are to name him Jesus. You are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save. His name means Savior. He will save. In fact, when Peter was preaching, Peter, one of the fishermen, he was preaching in Acts. And as he ended a message, he cries out to the people, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. No other name. Don't look for another name. There's only one name that can save you from hell and destruction. One name that can bring you to glory. One name that can change you and transform you. One name and one name only. And if I die preaching that name, let me die preaching that name. There's only one name. And Joseph, don't get involved. Don't bring your family into this. Don't bring your dad's name into this. Don't go back to the Old Testament and bring Abraham into this. No, no, no. You need to stick with that name. And that name is Jesus. And I want to tell you, my dear friends, I want to ask you, my dear friends, do you know that name? Are you able to say, Jesus is my friend, a friend of sinners? Are you able to, to cry out to him? In time of need and brokenness, Jesus. Because Christmas focuses upon that one person. Ah, oh, Joseph, you're a lovely man and we love speaking about you today. But it's Jesus we want to hear. Oh, Mary, you're a lovely young virgin lady and, and you're wonderful. But it's Jesus we want to hear. Oh, the wise men, you're great guys. You came all the way, but it's Jesus we want to hear. Oh, the shepherds, you saw angels in heaven, but it's Jesus we want to speak about. It's Jesus all the way. All the way. And my dear friends, if you don't know Jesus, then Christmas is rubbish. It's meaningless. It's pointless. I want to wrap everything up and go home. If you don't know Jesus, it's all about commercialism and spending your money. But Jesus, that's what it's all about. Let's pray.
Father, thank you.